1: Your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement with a simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. William Peters, a pioneer in the field of shared death experiences, uh, stays with us. Founder of the Shared Crossing Project and uh, author of At Heaven's Door. And we'll remind you again, if you go to Shared Crossing, sorry, Shared crossing uh, sharedcrossing.com sharedcrossing.com and you can sign up for the uh the seven module live online course uh wednesdays beginning april 27th to june the 8th again sharedcrossing.com and uh, what is the uh, the code that uh, my listeners can use for a, a 10% discount
2: that shared crossing that's all caps, then the number 10 for 10% off.
1: Shared crossing, all in caps, and then the number 10. All right, um, let's kind of reset because this is hour two and there may be some uh, people just joining the program. Give us, give us the definition for a uh, shared death experience or SDE.
2: Yeah, so a shared death experience occurs when somebody dies – And a loved one, caregiver, and some cases a a bystander, reports that they feel like they shared in the dying person's transition from their human existence, in their, you know, in their human body, into an afterlife. And this is typically, uh, you know the phenomena are these phenomena that, in our culture, we relate to as near-death experience phenomena. So, uh, out-of-body experiences, visionary realms, heavenly realms, past life review—excuse me, life reviews of either the dying or your time together with the dying. There's light is a big feature of this. You're often traveling in a cylinder of light or towards a big luminous light, and you see deceased loved ones. As a greeting party, elevated beings of all types that can appear as angels or uh, light beings, spirit guides, what have you. Oh, and of course, the most common phenomena is that the experiencer, surviving loved one or caregiver, reports seeing the dying in this transition. Like so, they're and they're moving along with them in many of these cases uh, as they progress. Typically heading upwards in, in their journeys into this afterlife.
1: Uh, you met. You are a hospice a volunteer. You mentioned. You know, obviously, doctors, nurses, um, first responders. Let's say, for example, a firefighter with the jaws of life, trying to, to take. You know, to get at an, a car accident victim. Uh, do they, on occasion, also experience an STE?
2: Yes, they do, and this is one of the. Focus points of the Shared Crossing Project, and that is advocacy for the knowledge of these experiences for first responders of all kinds. Because I've done, there are a few studies out there that talk about um, spiritual experiences for first responders where they feel like the spirit of the deceased came to them and they somehow didn't know what to, didn't know how to make sense of it, and it kind of freaked them out. And yes, so in my experience when I've worked with first responders in this regard is by teaching them about the shared death experience and the various phenomena, the first responders have these aha moments, like, oh, wait a minute, I was just with them. That makes sense. It's like, oh, I can let it go. I thought that somehow... There was something weird about this, and that does, you know. um, So, yes, first responders have these, and I and they need education and support around this, so they don't feel like um, they're being freaked out by a wayward spirit. And and I will say that these cultures, this is by the by the expressions of the first responders we've interviewed, is that in some of these cultures, it's not really. Um, shall we say, professionally acceptable to share about these experiences? So, we're trying to change that because we want people to know, first responders and others, to know these experiences happen. They're actually, you know, more common than we know, and you may be gifted by uh, someone dying coming to you to appreciate you or show you the other side or, um, perhaps even deliver a message to a, a loved one, especially if it's a first responder dealing with a sudden unexpected tragic death, you may be the last person they communicate with in this way.
1: Uh, we know that, that people that have near death experiences and come back, oftentimes that just changes mm-hmm. the trajectory of their life, you know, forever has such a profound impact. Sometimes I've read there have actually been physical changes in that person. In other words, they look different when they come back and their life is never the same. And the things that they were interested in, they leave all of that behind. Sometimes it can be the end of relationships because those two people are, they're strangers now. What about the person that has the shared death experience? Can it have that kind of long lasting impact? Can it totally Irrevocably change the trajectory of their life and who they are as a person.
2: Yeah, I this is a wonderful question, and you, just to just to affirm what you just uh, the research you cited for the near death experiences, of which I've had two near death experiences. Um, yes, the profoundness of the near death experience is significant, and the changes transformations you identified are well known amongst us who research at the NDEs. Uh, in the shared death experience, we don't see that, what I would call, um, challenge in coming back to your life and the need to, um, you know, primary relationships don't seem to be as challenged. I think there are significant transformations, but, and this is important because these transformations are typically invitational in the sense that. We do see SDE experiences coming back and saying things like, I now know the purpose of the human life generally, and I now understand that I have a purpose here during my lifetime, and I'm either going to, I know what it is, I'm going to get about living it right now and make significant changes, or they're going to commit themselves to finding out or yeah, searching, if you will, for a higher calling in their life. Uh, but to be clear, unlike this, the near-death experience, it, we don't seem at this point... Now, if we do more research on this, I could take back these words I'm speaking right now. But it seems like shared-death experiences, perhaps because they're witnesses to these experiences, they're witnessing a dying person's transition, they're not, in, they're not experiencing a trauma, they're not experiencing... A direct threat to their life, the impact in that way is less, Um, and that doesn't mean that the transformation is less for the SDE experiencer. I think it's less when you when you consider the physical challenges that so many NDEers have to come back and deal with because they've had a severe uh, brush with death that's compromised their physiology in some significant way. Uh, for the SDE, they come, they're healthy in mind and body. They come back, and now their work is to integrate this experience, but it doesn't seem to have some of the uh, overt negative uh, ramifications that the NDEs have.
1: How about your NDEs? Were they traumatic?
2: Well, yes. Um, my first one was a high-speed skiing accident at 17 years old uh, where I fractured um, the lumbar's. Lumbar's uh, four and five, and some and compression fracture that went also into a uh, sacralic one. So, yeah, that that almost, uh, as my orthopedic uh, surgeon indicated, that I was one thirty-second of an inch away from being a paraplegic. Um, so that that was a, and I've lived in you know some degree of chronic pain and physical limitation for most of my adult life that's a significant trauma at the level of not just physically with the pain and such but also at the level of uh identity you know who am i i mean i was the athlete prior to that time and um, i've never was able to regain that sense of uh, strength and confidence and and uh, vitality in my physical body it's really been a struggle to maintain health and and ease of movement Uh, So those are significant traumas. Uh, And my second experience left me, uh, it was an idiopathic thrombocytopenia for those who are uh, in the medical profession. That's a a crashing platelet, low platelet condition that is terminal life-threatening. And that left me uh, deeply fatigued and uh, somewhat lost uh, because of the because and it wasn't so much it was it wasn't a great deal of pain in it it was more just low energy and uh, disorientation as my body tried to rebalance after the the severe imbalance in my blood so yes I've, my NDEs were quite traumatic for me and quite impactful upon my life and they remain so
1: today uh, well, I mean I you were have. near death but did you get the whole experience, sort of, you know, the, the, the welcoming party, the tunnel of light. Oh, yeah. uh,
2: so, um, you know, my near-death experience, my first near-death experience, um, now Richard, remind me, did I share my first near-death experience? I don't think I did. Uh,
1: well, the, the, it, the skiing accident, yes, the
2: skiing yeah, accident. Yeah, that's it. So that's my first near-death experience. So, yeah, I mean, I did not have a welcoming party in mind at all, uh, which is, is, I mean, it's not so much every SDE, every NDE is unique. So to say that, wow, I didn't have a full NDE, well, that's not true at all. I had a rather full NDE, but I didn't have a welcoming party. And the only elevated being I saw or felt was what I would call God, uh, the ultimate source, which I was negotiating for my life with. Um, So, you know, in terms of whether I could come back or not. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, help me out, am I answering the question here?
1: Yes, absolutely absolutely How did that negotiation go? I mean, what did you put on the table?
2: Well, I just said I wanted to come back because I really I, you know unlike so many near death experiencers i I felt like i hadn 't come to i hadn 't completed what I incarnated to do in this life, and even though I was seventeen years old i was that was the one thing I was clear about was that I did not. Complete my mission, if you will. I wanted to come back, and do something. I don't know what it was, but I also had the sense that I don't want. I knew that I'd have to come back and incarnate again, and I said I don't want to do those childhood years again. Um, So I had a sense that a lot of my, you know, reason for being on the, on that lifetime was coming up for me. I was preparing for the work of my life, if you will, and I didn't want to go through childhood again. If in fact I was leaving. At that point, dying at that point, leaving that life, and then would have to come back again and, and somehow uh, recreate the conditions to pursue or complete that life mission. Uh, and I, you know, you're hearing a lot about my kind of cosmological views, if you will, my uh, theological, philosophical views on the purpose and meaning of a human life. Uh, but it seemed pretty clear to me in that point that when we come to this Earth or this human experience to um, you know, develop, practice, have certain experiences, and I was getting close to those in in that lifetime when I had my first NDE. And so the negotiation was not so much me negotiating as much as me pleading with God, let me go back, let me go back, let me go back. And at some point I felt this push back uh, from uh, the light. I was really in the light, comfortable. I felt the push back from the light, and they telecom uh, a telepathic communication make something of your
1: life and in either of the NDEs was do you do you know whether there was also a shared death experience with someone close to you
2: no I did not that's a, a question that's never been asked to me Richard that's a brilliant question and no, I do not, I did not feel I shared that with anybody. I don't think anyone shared it. No one ever came up to me afterwards or at any point in my life to express that I was with you during that SDE or I saw you there.
1: So you, so the if, if a person has an NDE and comes back, they wouldn't necessarily know that, they, that there was a shared death experience.
2: Well, that's a great question, too. I mean, it could very well be um, that... Um, somebody could say, Well, I was with you. I saw you there. And, you know, this is the work of mediums who, uh, I'm, of, of, there are more than just mediums that can do this. But I have talked to people who, mediums in particular, who have said, um, Oh, yeah, I, I see that experience. And you may say, Well, that's bizarre. They could see that experience. Well, they're accessing. Um, perhaps the Acacia Record or something like that. I use these terms loosely just not because I don't believe they don't exist. I use it because I'm not an expert in these um, Acacia Records or other um, modalities of this sort that give access to lifetimes or these types of near death experiences that are in another dimension. But I have had that experience where a couple of mediums have said, oh yeah, I'm seeing that now. You had this type of experience, you were here, you were there. I'm like, oh wow, this is all recorded somewhere. So they're not having a shared death experience with me in real time, so to speak. They're able to go back and see what I went through, which is very
1: compelling uh, in and of itself. Right, right. How do... Um... Medical doctors, uh, you know, people of science, and I know medicine is also an art, but these are men and women of science, and some of them, you know, are materialists. Uh, they don't have a, a spiritual bone in their body. Uh, and, I mean, we, we've, we've seen studies, for example, I think there was one in Switzerland where they tried to replicate an out-of-body experience by stimulating certain cortexes in the brain, and said, aha, you see, it's, it's just electrical, electrical activity, it's an illusion, it's uh, the product of a dying brain, or whatever. But the materialists that have these experiences, how do they try to explain it away? Do they have a narrative? Well, you, you're
2: on it. I mean, the SDE is unexplainable to the scientific materialists of today in medical sciences who adhere to that um, scientific view. To be clear, the, the hitch, if you will, occurs because in the modern uh, scientific materialist view, which is dominant in, in uh, medical sciences, is that consciousness is dependent upon and created by the human brain. So when there is human death, which is cessation of brain functioning, there can no longer be consciousness. So, or or any continuation of any uh, aliveness that would be identified with a soul-spirit self uh, related to that human life just ended, there's no scientific explanation for that. So for that community, these experiences don't have any credibility, because they can't exist in their paradigm. But the problem, as we know, is in the paradigm. It's not in the experience. The paradigm is too limited. Now, this being said, there's plenty of research that, uh, that suggests that, you know, while I think 73% of Americans in the last Pew study on uh, questions about religion, spirituality, one of which is a belief in an afterlife. You know, like I said, almost 73% of three-quarters of uh, North Americans and Europeans believe in an afterlife. And, and, it's, and, and medical doctors, there was a similar study done in, I believe it was the University of Chicago, um, I think it was 10, 15 years ago, that found that you know, 65% of doctors had similar beliefs. So you know, two thirds of of doctors believe in an afterlife, but they're able to somehow. Um, there's though their personal beliefs, spiritual religious beliefs, don't jive with their medical beliefs, and I don't know how people you know make sense of that. But your your question about how the medical sciences and medical personnel make sense of this, uh, I've explained they don't. They don't have a model that holds this. Uh, now, there are, a lot, there are plenty within the system, that medical system, that acknowledge the limitations of medical sciences. And those are the people that uh, I think are the doctors you want to be dealing with, and those are the ones that we're dealing with because we need to find a way to make these experiences a part of health care, especially at end of life
1: uh william peters pioneer in the field of the sde and also the founder of the shared crossing project sharedcrossing.com sharedcrossing.com we'll take another time out come back and we will get to some questions from the youtube live stream back with more in a moment don't go away in times of economic uncertainty and chaos your money means
3: nothing you may not even be able to get it from your bank or atm and the money you do have in the stock market will go down and down Protect your money from the next market crash with gold and silver. Call now for your free gold
4: guide. 800-461-9694 800-461-9694 800-461-9694 That's 800-461-9694 If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a Continuous Glucose Monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day, or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took
2: care of all the paperwork.
4: You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-817-2974. 800-817-2974. 800-817-2974. That's 800-817-2974.
0: It's time to redefine reality. Reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet.
1: So, William, there are certain people that have spontaneous uh, out-of-body experiences. It's not even necessarily associated with trauma. They just... All of a sudden, you know, they wake up and maybe they're floating above their body. Uh, is is there a connection between those spontaneous OBEs and an NDE and a shared or an SDE, a shared death experience?
2: You know, you know. Once again, you're spot on. There there are these spontaneous OBEs. Um, most OBEs have some sort of Trauma uh, induction, if you will, but a lot don't, and and there are people who can develop practices, can and do develop practices where they can uh, initiate uh, OBEs. There's a whole, you know, organization. I forget it's um, Luis Minero is runs a whole program. I forget the name of it. Something about consciousness, um, but but yeah, and they train people how to, how to have OBEs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's not much, you know, in the SDE arena. What's so profound about the SDEs is that one, they're not very well known at all. In fact, I'd say that you know, my book at Heaven's Door is the most widely read and. Uh, you know 'll clear the first really research based uh expose on the shared death experience and it 's only been out since january uh, but thankfully the 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 receptivity um, in the general public and even end of life professionals has been quite positive thankfully uh, so you know i I think they 're the same type of experience, especially when um when they happen shall i say naturally i think the, i think there are ways that you can create you know dissociative experiences or experiences where your sense of self if you were that observing part of your consciousness is uh detached from your physical body or at least outside of it perceiving from outside your physical body um but i just think the sde um is is a is a natural organic process similar to the NDE that is invoked by usually some sort of trauma. Um, yeah, I hope that makes sense in a certain way. But I'll tell you one. I'll tell you that there will be more research in this area. This whole understanding of how one's consciousness can seemingly uh, have a perception. Uh, a view of perception or perspective that is outside of the physical body and looking back at the physical human body. Uh, This is a rather um, profound um, reality that needs to be explored.
1: All right, let's go to the YouTube live chat, and uh, you're going to get a a kick out of some of the handles here uh, from the YouTube live chat. Not Gordian, K-N-O-T as in a uh, Gordian, not. Not Gordian asks... Uh, William, have you ever heard of negative stories of NDEs or SDEs when somebody saw glimpses of uh, hell instead of heaven?
2: Yes. So there is a good deal of research um, on negative or what they call distressing near-death experiences. And the author on that is... Um, if you're interested in the literature, is I forget her first name, but her last name is Bush, and she just NDE researcher Bush distressing S, uh, NDEs. You'll find her literature quite good, and she identified um, a number of of types of distressing NDEs. It's important to note that the high number for distressing NDEs is, you know. I think it's somewhere between three and ten percent, and she's up on this literature. I don't want to overstep my bounds here because she really is the expert, and she had one herself. And as a result, she uh, did a great deal of research on this. And is you know, like I said, she did a good deal of research. So she's the your ref, your source for that. But they happen in NDEs for sure. And even if you look at Edmund Alexander's. Uh, uh, NDE when he had that um was in a coma from a, a severe bout of spinal meningitis and E. coli, you know, and was unconscious for quite some time. He had a part of his uh N D E where he describes what he calls the earthworm eye view, something like that. Where it's dark and murky and confusing, and he's lost, and it's stuck. You know, he's stuck, and but eventually that gives way to light, and then he goes into this really heavenly realms. Um, in the SDE, you know, I've heard, you know, we've studied deeply 250 cases. I've heard well over a thousand of these cases, and I have rarely heard a negative SDE. And when I do, it's it's a misinterpretation of the phenomena, and I help uh, normalize the phenomena, uh, kind of allow them to look at their experience differently, and they usually have a, trans- a transformation of their view from you know negative or scared or cautious to something more like, oh, curiosity or possibility of, wonder and positivity in it, um, because it's so easy, uh, if you don't know about the ND, SDE, just to be freaked out by it. Because if you don't you know, believe in an afterlife, or you don't um, know what to do with when you see angels, or elevated beings, or have a life review, or seize heavenly realms, all that can be a bit freaky if you're of a more you know, mainstream mindset. So I try to Open the aperture at which they view the experience. Support them with the evidence that these experiences happen, and give them the feature list, and have them begin a process of re-examining their experience from the possibility that this may that these happen. They're normal, and that there may actually be some positive gifts to be tapped from these experiences.
1: Uh, any case studies involving someone on death row where let's say the, the person administering the lethal injection or you know pulling the switch on the electric chair if they had an SDE I
2: don't have any cases of the of those I do not have any cases of that type of um, you know as you're de- describing and a you know a, a, this is a death row type Case, which is obviously tragic, uh, do have a number of cases, you know, half dozen, maybe up well, to a dozen, maybe, of patients using uh, medical aid and dying. And what's so interesting about this, Richard, is some of these cases suggest uh, I'll share one with you. Uh, this is a woman who was uh, exercising. The medical aid in dying in California, and the SDE was reported by a good friend in Massachusetts. That's East Coast of the United States, of course. And what the experiencer suggested or shared with us, we'll call her Sonia, and she reports traveling with this her friend. Denny. In fact, you know what? This is in the book, in my book, At Heaven's Door, so the full case is there if your viewers are interested. But what she reports is she reports going to meeting Denny, having this huge journey across rivers and deserts and then climbing ladders and elevating into the sky and seeing heavenly realms, finally coming to a party at which Denny is the uh, guest of honor, not uncommon, and there's all these people scurrying about to prepare for daddy's arrival but what's interesting and Sonia doesn't go into this as much in the book but you know I've talked to her many times since because this is a research question that came up afterwards after I wrote the book was that well what's the possibility that she arrived early and what and you can see this if you look into Sonia's uh, account in my book you can see that Sonia describes the people hosting the party are scurrying about, trying to get the meal ready. The guests haven't arrived. There were supposed to be these dancers to perform a dance for Danny as he arrived. But nothing's quite ready. And it may suggest that people that use physician aid in dying or other tragic, unexpected um, death occurrences may arrive too early. In other words, you know, this challenges our sense that that the people on the other side, these wise beings, actually know everything because if they knew everything, then they know oh, yes. when we're arriving. They know that you know Denny, in this case, had chosen to to use medical aid and dying and was arriving earlier than anticipated if there was already an anticipated time. But I have a few cases like that which, to boil it down to the you know singular singular statement, suggest that the dying when they use medical aid. Uh, and dying uh, seem to surprise or seem to arrive a bit earlier than the welcoming party had anticipated.
1: That's interesting. Fascinating. Interesting. Right. We'll uh, we'll take another time out uh, and uh, come back with more questions from our YouTube live chat. William Peters and uh, he is the founder of the Shared Crossing project, SharedCrossing.com. We'll remind you about that online course as well when we come back. Stay with us. I call it the miracle molecule, carbon 60 or C60, for my good friends at c60evo.com. And I take a tablespoon every morning. It delivers more than 172 times the power of vitamin C. C60 is a known antiviral, antioxidant, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. It's a remedy that works. C60 Evo users consistently enjoy better sleep and wake up feeling refreshed. This alone is worth the cost of the bottle. I sleep like a baby. I have no aches or pains. Zero. I'm 58, and I don't have a gray hair on my head. Get your miracle in a bottle. C60 from C60Evo.com slash Richard hyphen C60Evo.com slash Richard hyphen Use the coupon code EVRS at checkout and save an additional 10%. This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you have a medical concern, please contact your health provider we've seen so many people making ridiculous money from crypto but did you know it's easy for you to do the same the copy my crypto membership site shows you the coins that the youtuber James McMahon personally holds and allows you to copy him you don't need to know a thing about crypto or how to invest as you simply do what he does let me tell you more about James he runs the crypto with James YouTube channel since March 2020 he's told his viewers to buy 26 crypto coins had you put in a hundred dollars into each One, It would now be worth over $53,000. So if you'd like to join the 1,300 members who copy James, then stop what you're doing and head over to copymycrypto.com forward slash dollar. You'll not only find proof of everything I've said, but listeners get full access for just $1. You can't find this offer anywhere else, but act fast because the offer ends soon. That's copymycrypto.com forward slash dollar. Don't take this offer lightly. He's the real deal. Go visit the site now.
0: It's time to redefine reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet.
1: Getting into uh, NDEs for a moment here, the near-death experience, because they've been reported throughout throughout history. But has the advent of anesthesia perhaps diminished or, or um I don't know. Um, reduced the number of NDEs experience because, because of you know coming out of the fog of anesthesia, perhaps people forget about them. Is there any way of even knowing that? I think
2: your the comment you made at the close there, which is it's difficult to know. I think that's what is true. Is it's hard to know what the advent of anesthesia uh, how it impacts one's experience or one's ability. To remember their NDE. Uh, one thing that's really uh, salient here is that Dr. Pim von Lommel uh, wrote a, you know, did research actually a fabulous research article. He's a cardiologist, and he did a study on NDEs and his patients and other patients receiving cardiac uh, procedures, and he found that I believe. A uh, 17% of patients in his study who received a cardiac uh, interventions, usually surgical, I, I I do believe all of these uh, included anesthesia. But 70% 17% of them reported a near-death experience, and that article was published in the Lancet, which is a very well-respected international medical journal. And then Pim um, wrote a beautiful book. Called Consciousness Beyond Life The Science of the Near Death Experience, and that book came out about a decade ago. It's a spectacular book, I might add. So uh, I would turn uh, that viewer's questions in that direction because Pim Bon Loma looks really at the role of medical interventions uh, on people's capacity to have
1: NDEs. The science of the NDE. Uh, that's interesting because, it, I mean, does that suggest that at, at some point we will understand the mechanics of an NDE or an uh, an SDE? Uh, I don't know. People often, you know, they talk about quantum physics. That seems to be the sort of the underlying, you know, answer to everything that we now consider to be paranormal. Uh, but, but I, I mean, are there are there is there a a field of of science that actually believes that they can they can understand this they can measure it they can i don't know come up with a formula at some point for this
2: well I mean honestly this is kind of beyond my expertise i mean I'm a psychotherapist I work with you know persons typically at the end of life or in grief and bereavement who have had these experiences and need to process integrate them and uh, you know, make meaning of them so they can go on living with the with with the benefits of these experiences because they're typically referred to as gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, and I help people you know throughout that entire process—the dying, the survivors, all everyone. Uh, but the actual science about you know how these happen and why they happen to some for me a huge question which I am researching now is. Why do these experiences happen for some, and why they don't happen for, and not everybody? I mean, why do some people have them, some people don't? Um, that's a whole huge question, and obviously that involves. Um, I'm, I'm not looking for a theory of everything, if you will, to describe why the SDE happens, why the NDE happens. I would love to stumble upon it, but my goal is really more how to help people have these experiences, how to have help people integrate them into their lives. And to highlight for the uh, medical community, end of life community, and, and general public at large, uh, the real gifts of the SDE—the sense that you know human death is not an end but a doorway into uh, a benevolent afterlife, and that um, relationships with our loved ones seem to continue, and that the SDE uh, is a gateway experience into uh, another type of relationship, not a human relationship. I mean, you know, human death ends a human life, but it doesn't end a relationship between a human and the surviving
1: consciousness. So, well, they might have got to uh, take another time off your part the interruption. It, when it, we come it, it, back, it, 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 uh, maybe you something. can sort of uh, just give us uh, – we, obviously we want people to take this, the seven-week uh, course at sharedcrossing.com, but uh, maybe some – some uh a few teases about how we can increase our our chances of of having an ste if we have you know a loved one that's getting ready to cross over uh william peters stays with us from the shared crossing project back with more in a moment
3: do you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes? Are you being audited or investigated? Has the IRS sent you a letter demanding payment? You may not owe what they claim. Make this free call to the tax doctor now. Let them negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. 800-626-4512
4: 626 4512 That's 800-626-4512
0: The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. Opposed. Third, it is accepted as self-evident. You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet.
1: Share Death Experiences uh, with William Peters. And we'll go back to the YouTube live chat. Joe asks, can deceased friends actually visit us in our dreams or is that just us thinking and dreaming of them um or maybe another way of sort of approaching that uh, that that question would be i mean can that be part of the shared death experience is is uh, you know through the in in a dream state yeah so super question um
2: and one that we uh, you know my research team is discerning about and we have a number of um you know questions and and frameworks that allow us to tease these apart so You can have an SDE when you're sleeping, but it wouldn't be in a dream state. It would be a visionary realm of sorts, and I say that because people, when we ask them, will say, "Oh no, this was more than a dream. It was more real than my typical dreams, and it wasn't fragmented. It wasn't, you know, didn't have kind of the the incoherence and people from different state parts of our lives and distortion. the the That's typical dream life." These SDEs, as with dream, visions, and visitations, uh, if they happen well, while one's sleeping, they're radically different than dreams. So, completely different um, phenomena because of the clarity, because of the heightened sense of reality, if they will, because uh, the people say they're more real than real, and and so they're so they're you know qualitatively different in that regard, uh, and then in terms of whether they 're an s d e or a vision or visitation depends on the the messaging in it or the the yeah, like phenomenological value as we say, so in an s d e you you there has to be the sense that you 're participating in some sort of journey you 're observing you 're watching you're accompanying or you 're guiding sometimes you get called in actually to guide the dying along the way, but it 's really about the de, the deceased person's initial uh journey from this life into the into an afterlife. Visions and visitations are are different. They usually have messages involved and they usually appear right in front of or in some way to the surviving loved one and they they appear somewhat stationary. They're not moving. They're there. They have a message. They're usually wearing some sort of, presenting with some sort of identifiable clothing or expression or something that is known to the experiencer as validation for who this person is. Yeah, so they're different. They're different in that way. But great question. And one we, we uh, ferret out quite a bit.
1: All right. So I know this is uh, something that you, you delve into in the seven Week course again at uh, sharedcrossing.com, Wednesdays five to six thirty Pacific uh, PM, uh, April twenty seventh to June the eighth. Use the code shared crossing and the numeral ten, all caps. Shared crossing and the number ten for a ten percent discu- uh, discount. Uh, and that is how how can you um, maybe a- increase your chances of having a shared death experience?
2: Yes we have found in the research is that about two-thirds of our shared death experience research participants have some sort of mindfulness meditative practice. And that means they either pray or meditate or do yoga or a martial art or walk in nature. They have some sort of practice that allows them to Both be receptive and attuned, if you will, to their self, their surroundings, and to others. Uh, And also, they have these receptive qualities that involve kind of a a heightened awareness of their feelings and sensations, their phenomenological experience. All that seems to point towards uh, an increased ability to have an SDE. The other thing that really helps is. You know, and I. This is a big part of the teaching I do when I'm working. You know, when I'm teaching groups around this, how to how to have an NDE, SDE, uh, I shouldn't say NDE, SDE or other end of life phenomena, is that you really work on your psychological or emotional unfinished business with your loved ones, because that unfinished business, you know, regrets, um, ill will a uh, sense of, you know, you know bad, bad blood, if you will, between people. Uh, unfinished business needs to be addressed, because if it doesn't get addressed, it serves as a hook to keep the dying here and to keep some interference in the clear spiritual communication uh, between the dying and the surviving loved one. And then I'll, there's a number of other steps I'll talk about in, in this workshop and others about how it is that you essentially, um, if you're the dying, you learn how to maintain your consciousness through death, or if you lose it, how to reconnect with it and then turn your attention to your loved one or loved ones in the human realm and invite them to join you in the spiritual, spiritual in your spirit realm. And that, um, that's a series of steps. It's too long for this dialogue, but one that I do go into in a, in a variety of workshops, most notably the Pathway workshop, which I'm not offering now, but my team and I will offer it next fall. Um, yeah, but another thing is you need to know about these experiences. I say the first step in any training to have an SDE, I, I think you can have them spontaneously for sure, and, all, and most of our research participants uh, have had them. Um, but to know that it exists it's a possibility and to know a lot about it and to know how you might be, what the phenomena are, the features are that you can be aware of if you're with somebody dying or if you're remote and don't know if someone's dying but you end up having these features, then you can you can welcome them and they serve as kind of portals to go deeper into this experience really important data point 41% of all sde experiencers in our research have more than one which suggests that once you have one, you can have more. So the gate here to get through is how do you have your first SDE? Because after that, you're likely to have more. And I'm a perfect example of that. I've had numerous ones because now I feel like I'm, I've kind of, I know the doorways. And when that door opens, I'm going to say yes, I'm ready to go. Uh, so, so a great question and an important one. So I appreciate it. Um, But, you know, one other thing to say to your listeners here, Richard, is at the ShareCrossing.com, we have a story library. You can go right to our website. Go right there. On the story library, you can hear about eight different SDE experiences from our uh, our research participants. They're short. They're like, you know, three, four, five minutes. But they really give you an idea for the SDE, um, initially, anyway. There's, you know... The best description that I could provide was actually in the book because I had a lot more time to do so. I can provide a lot more background information. But it's, you know, but I think if your listeners really want to have these SDEs with themselves, you know, themselves, with their loved ones, what have you, it's really important to know about them because getting comfortable with each of these features then will serve as a, as a Doorway, an entryway into the experience.
1: Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we we all we all want to live long, healthy lives. Um, but uh, do you now look not to not look forward to death, but are you excited at the prospect of
2: death? I'm, you know, I uh, my friends joke about this with me. There, they tease me and say, "You're ready to go right now, William." Um, and that's true. If you know, if it's time for me to go, I I can 't i don 't notice within me any fear of death or any anxiety about death i 'm excited about it when it happens. But the most important thing for me and I would say to your viewers as well, is that we understand that we 're here to 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 be and do certain things to have certain experiences, perhaps to evolve certain characteristics you know virtues or what have you develop in some way. Make sure that you get that done first because uh, it seems like if you don't, uh, you might have to come back again and do it. Do it, and I think you hear the bias there that might suggest that um, I'm I'm not so excited about having to come back again. Um, well, everything I know suggests that the afterlife um, in the spirit realm is 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 a lot more enjoyable than being here. Not that there's not joy to be had here. This realm has a, you know, as the Buddha say, ten thousand joys. Ten thousand sorrows. We're fine with the joys. It's the sorrows that get us to get us hook, hooked up here, getting, and stay, You know, make us suffer, if you will. So um, I think you know my goal is to just live fully, and 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 hopefully have the ability and insight to. Uh, do what I came here to do, which I'm, I'm you know, feeling pretty strongly that, that the teaching I'm doing is 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 what I'm supposed to be doing here about the SDE.
1: Well, William, always enjoy uh, chatting with you. Uh, thank you so much for this.
2: Richard, thank you so much for having me on your show, and uh, yeah,
1: it's just always a pleasure to be with you. William Peters, Shared Crossing Project, and the website sharedcrossing.com. Uh, don't forget the book, At Heaven's Door. That's available uh, everywhere, Amazon and uh, wherever you buy your books. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Ryan and Carlos. I'll be back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. Have you subscribed to my newsletter yet? It's fast. Easy and absolutely free. Just go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and then click on subscribe. All I need is your email address, and that's it. Then, once a month, you'll receive my newsletter, Inner Sanctum, in your email inbox. The Inner Sanctum contains a monthly brief, a column of my analysis of the news and opinions. There's a This Month in UFO or Conspiracy History. A look ahead to an upcoming episode of this radio program, a book club, my podcast pick of the month, a spotlight on a previous guest, and much more. Join the Strange Planet community by signing up for your free subscription to Inner Sanctum. Again, go to strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and click on subscribe. It's a strange planet. Read all about it.